This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Baptism by water, which was done by John the Baptist, the scriptures are clear, was for repentance of sins, which obviously the people needed because they were what? Always sinning. But the water itself means nothing. The water itself serve to demonstrate to the world that this person or these people have chosen to turn from their wicked ways, to seek God's face, to ask for forgiveness. That's what the water represented. The water of baptism was to show people that this person was making a new commitment to a new life in Christ. Mm. However, The baptism of the Holy Spirit was not done by John the Baptist, Pastor Marriott, or anyone else. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was inaugurated by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the one who baptizes us in and with the Holy Spirit. Unlike the baptism with water, this baptism is something that is completely Irreversible. Mm -hmm. It is a baptism of substance, which causes a change in the believer that allows them to be able to do things that they otherwise would not be able to do. It is what we call sometimes, and I think is referred to, is the anointing. When it comes upon you, it's where you are arrested by the Holy Spirit, where things that you normally would find impossible to do, somehow you have the ability to do it. It's an empowering that comes with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is unique. And so we want to talk about it today, finding in the book of Acts, the first chapter, the sixth to the ninth verse, which reads as follows. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. The text records Jesus' words right after the discussion on baptism. And it should be clear that there is a correlation between the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit coming on you. There's a sense here that Jesus immerses you in the same way that John the Baptist did when he put you on the water and then the Holy Spirit descends or hovers over you. Either way, it is something that is done to you absent of you doing anything to earn it or to warrant it. It is a mystery. But somewhere between the time Jesus was speaking and the restoration of the kingdom to Israel that the disciples, they were looking forward to, something else needed to happen first. That something is the work 
of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It is this reference of the work of the Holy Spirit and its empowerment that I want to preach about today. Our church, our churches, our churches are struggling because they don't really understand the work of the Holy Spirit. We are looking for so many things that has nothing to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. And so today, I've titled this sermon, I've Got the Power. I've Got the Power. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. You are welcome in this broken vessel. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Preach for the preacher. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's what the text says. Power. What is power? So I've listened to many sermons and we go into the Greek and we talk about what it means in the Greek and we talk about all these things. But, but I thought that the best way to talk about power is to try to use it in a way of comparison as opposed to just telling you what the word means. And the way I thought I would do it is to go to another reference about power in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So if you know the Lord's Prayer, I want you all to say it with me. Now, let's be clear. There's a reason I want you to say it with me as opposed to you just hearing me say it. So we're going to say the Lord's Prayer as a community. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The last line says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. I don't think you heard it. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. First the kingdom, then the power, and then the glory. <laughs> the order here at the end of this prayer is a clue to the plan of God. The kingdom. The power. The glory. <laughs> In that order. When Jesus was baptized by John. He comes out of the water. And the Holy Spirit fell on, on Jesus. And we all know the story. Have you ever wondered. Why the very first words out of Jesus' mouth was simply, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Y'all remember the order, right? Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. 
So the first words out of Jesus' mouth when the, when the Holy Ghost fell on him after is baptism. Repent, for thine is the kingdom, and it is at hand. What he meant by these words was that the kingdom of God, which really is the domain of God's rule and his reign, where God's will is manifested in accordance with his nature, was now within the grasp of humanity. The thing that God wanted for his people was at first very distant because of sin. So now that Jesus has come, now that Jesus was now baptized in, in the Holy Spirit, now that Jesus was getting ready now to, to, to bring something new, to, let me say it this way, to get us to glory, yeah. wasn't going to happen until he first gave us the kingdom. Yes. Wow. <laughs> All of the manifold goodness of God was now within the grasp of all of mankind. And Jesus was proclaiming that he was the one that was the key to making this accessible to you and to me. Brothers and sisters, this is stuff that the church needs to teach. So now, here we are. In the last 40 days on earth, Jesus is talking to the disciples about what is of critical importance. Listen, if you have ever been with someone who's getting ready to die, believe me when I tell you, if someone is getting ready to die, they don't have a lot of time to talk about Donald Trump. They don't have a lot of time to talk about Joe Biden and democracy. Whatever someone has to say to you when they are on their deathbed, believe me when I tell you, it is something of great importance. So the text tells us in Acts, the first chapter, in the beginning of the third verse, that as Jesus was in his last days, knowing that the time needed to come where he would be gone, the Bible tells us that he was talking about, here it is, things pertaining to the kingdom. Everything that Jesus was trying to do while he was around was to try to get the people to understand, listen, the kingdom of God is at hand. What does it mean to be at hand? It means that you can grab hold of it. You can take it. You can touch it. Listen, the only reason why Jesus was doing any miracles, whether he was healing the blind, whether he was healing the man with the withered hand, whether he was raising the dead, every single thing that Jesus did in his miraculous walk on this earth was designed to do one thing and one thing only. It was to let people see That the kingdom had come. The kingdom of God is a complete reversal of every single thing that has gone wrong in this sin-infested world. In the kingdom of God, there is only peace, joy, happiness, love, and fellowship in the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus says, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, he's saying, I'm letting you know that in the kingdom, there is no sadness. So therefore, dry your weeping eyes. In the kingdom of God, there is no blindness. So he healed the blind eyes. In the kingdom of God, there is no lame. So he's saying, I'm showing you that the lame can now walk. Jesus was saying, listen, in the kingdom, there's no dead. So I'm going to raise the dead. He was showing the people that the kingdom of God had come on earth 
yeah. as it is in heaven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but the disciples, oh Lord, in their own limited way of thinking, after all the stuff that Jesus did, here is what the disciples asked Jesus. Lord, Lord, Lordy, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Mm. Brothers and sisters, you hear the arrogance in the question? Lord, after everything that I just told you, that God, that Jesus was showing the people that all of the things and the miracles he was doing was designed so that people would know that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Yet you have the disciples asking Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's like saying, hey God, are you going to make the United States better than Russia? Are you going to make us, because I often talk about American exceptionalism. How sometimes we think that we are, because we're Americans, we're better than everybody else in the world. Come on, preacher. Brothers and my sisters, let's be clear. You can have that glory if that's the one you want. But there's a glory after this. So, so, so the disciples, they were limited in thinking that all of the work that Jesus was doing was so that Israel could be glorious. You think that Jesus died on a cross so that Abraham and all of the ancestors and all of the Israelites could parade around as if they are the greatest thing since sliced bread? The God who created the universe, the heavens, and all that we see is doing all of this so one nation or one person can be all they want to be? God forbid. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. They failed these disciples to see that Jesus wanted for them from that time on to know that his relationship with them has changed. Uh, you walk with me as your rabbi, but you're talking to me as your king. If you don't know the importance of your relationship with Jesus and what you mean to him, you too will be asking foolish things of him. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, is telling you that the kingdom of God is something that he has the keys to and he wants to give you the keys to the kingdom of God, which also includes the moon and the stars. And you are asking to pay off a mortgage. I hope you're hearing me in your spirits. We have so got ourselves caught up into the things of this world that Jesus is, off, is, is, is helping us to see that what he's about has nothing to do. This is why he said to the rich young ruler, listen, sell everything you've got and come follow me. He's like, and he went away, what, sad, because this man had great wealth. How limited to think that you can get out of God just a piece of property or a land, and you think that God, that Jesus died for yeah. that. Yeah. Keep your land. Yeah. Keep your money. Keep your job. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Brothers and sisters, even as a people of African descent, we need to set our sights on far more than the crumbs that fall from the table of any White House. Amen. 
I could care less about your debt ceilings. My father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. What are you working towards? Yes, sir. This is important, my brothers and sisters. Many people today have an expectation that Jesus is going to miraculously come into their situations and to make it all better and to make all of our pain go away, though it is his sovereign right to do that and to make your sojourn on earth a little bit easier, what sense would it make for Jesus to just wipe out your debt and not someone else's? What sense would it make for Jesus to heal your marriage and not someone else's? Well. <laughs> Fix, f f to, to find you a job for you while leaving other people unemployed. I, I, mean, I mean, I don't understand. Why would, why would Jesus... Fix your children and not the children of another parent. Heal your body, but cause another person to suffer pain. Are you all getting what I'm saying? It don't make sense to me. So we start to serve a God that seems to be subjective. That if I can do this, he'll do this for me. I don't want that Jesus. I want Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That whether I am black, whether I am white, whether I'm rich, whether I am poor, whether I am educated, whether I'm a dunce, I don't care. I want a Jesus that when he sees me broken, yes, sir. he walks alongside me. Yes, sir. And he says, I'll never leave you and I will never yes. forsake you. And then even though the trials of this life may be more than I can bear, he says, you bear it not alone. That's the Jesus I want. Are you more important in the kingdom of God than anyone else? Are you more deserving of God's favor on your life than someone else? Because in your mind, you think you're a good person. Do, do you think because you may give more in the offering that you deserve more attention from God? <laughs> you think that God owes you something because of you serve on the trustee or the steward board of the church for him. Well. For him. Do you think you're entitled because you are great in your own eyes and God should be glad he made you? <laughs> These questions seem <laughs> a little bit harsh. I get it. But the truth is many of us are walking around with this entitlement mentality that says, Lord, I will do you a favor by giving my life to you and joining your church if, fill in the blanks, you're not doing God any favors. Amen. As a matter of fact, thank God that even in the midst of your arrogance, he still made it possible that the bus didn't run over you this morning. For the worries and the cares and the fears that we have in our lives is not as bad as it could be, but for the grace of God. So we walk around thinking that we are right in our own eyes. Brothers and sisters, I don't know why God wants me to preach this message. But I am telling you that it's not for you alone. I stand in the judgment seat as well. For there are days when the arrogance comes upon me. And the pride makes me feel like I have something that no one else has. Listen, the last will be first. And the first 
will be last. Come Holy Spirit. So many of us, like those disciples, think that the life and the work and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was an event that was orchestrated by God so that we could be liberated from our situations. The disciples, they wanted to be free from Roman colonization. So by asking Jesus if he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel now is the same as asking, Lord, are you going to free me from all of my problems? Brothers and sisters, you serve a limited God. If that is all you pray for. So let me move on. The kingdom of God and its manifestation on this earth is none of your and my business. God will manifest his kingdom. It is not for you or me to know the seasons, the time, the when that God's kingdom is going to come. It doesn't matter. It could be tomorrow. It could be next year. It could be 10,000 years from now. God will bring his kingdom whenever he wants to. The question is how you live in. The only thing that you and I need to be concerned with is that we need to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. So first, we have the kingdom. We're clear. The kingdom is the first thing, and it is at hand. So now that you've got the kingdom, what's next, preacher? Y'all remember the prayer, right? Thine is the kingdom and the power. So we're going to talk about power. The text says it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The coming of the Holy Spirit on you is a term that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is a divine act promised by John the Baptist. Remember when John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but there's one that's coming after me whose lace and shoes I'm not even qualified to tie. Yeah. Right? He's saying, he's going to, listen, I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with something that's going to blow your minds. <laughs> So, so, so now Jesus is now saying the kingdom is here, but now you got to get the power. This is very specific, brothers and sisters. Very specific. So, uh, it's but 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 the part that makes me think is the part where it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, you will receive power. Power to do what? Am I going to heal the blind? And am I going to do everything that Jesus did? Perhaps. But remember what I told you, the reason why Jesus did the miracles was because he wanted to let the people know that the kingdom was at hand. So if you receive power, power to do what? Because if he's already told you that the kingdom is at hand, he don't need you to tell it either. Yeah. He's already told it. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to tell you to do something that he's already done. So the question is, why is Jesus giving me power? To do what? The text tells you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Ah, therein lies the rub, church. You will be my witnesses, not just in Judea, Jer Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You will be my witnesses in Mount Vernon. 
You'll be my witnesses in Westchester County. You'll be my witnesses in New York City. You'll be my witnesses in New York State. You'll be my witnesses in the United States of America. You'll be my witnesses in all of the earth. So when I hear often when these white evangelicals talk about Jesus and how they, how they castigate people at the border, I'm curious, what kind of witness is that? Because what does witnessing look like if it's not doing what Jesus says when the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me to be what? all about witnessing. They would be witnesses to the fact that Jesus did perform miracles, that he did die, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead, and that he appeared to them. And by testifying to this reality, they would be proving that Jesus was who he said he was, and the kingdom of God was in fact at hand. Here's the point. How on earth are these few little followers going to get the message of Jesus and the kingdom of God, not only in Jerusalem, but into the rest of the world? The fact is, they couldn't get this message out by human resources, and it had to be supernatural. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. It comes and it does what we cannot do ourselves. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the single act that unites all believers into the fellowship and the communion of the risen Lord. <laughs> Look what the Paul, Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, whether Republican or Democrat. We are all baptized into one body and we were all made to, here it is, drink yeah. from one spirit. Mm. Over the last century, Bible interpreters have differed over their interpretation of this issue of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, <laughs> these people believe that unless you're speaking in tongues, mm. you don't have the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember... And my, lim my knowledge of the biblical text might be limited here. But I'm trying to remember when Jesus spoke in tongues. I'm trying to remember. D does anyone remember? Because everything that Jesus did is written for us to get to where he needs us to go. So for years I used to be angry at God. Because I said, God, you didn't give me the spirit. And I was feeling kind of... Small. Because I'd go to these conferences and you hear people, ah, la, da, 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 da. and I'm there going, and they would lay hands on my belly and some would rub my back and they would punch me and they like, I feel it coming. You do? And they, listen, I'm just telling you the truth. They would lay hands on people and they're falling and I'm like, oh, it's coming. And I'm waiting and they lay hands on me and nothing happened till they pushed me down. And I'm waiting for this thing. Meanwhile, for years as a Christian, my witness was being stymied simply because I didn't think I had what God had already given me. And I cried out to God and I 
yelled and I screamed and I was mad at God. And God said, okay. Hugh, I'll give you the gift of speaking in tongues. True story. You are? Yes. God says, I'm going to give you the gift of tongues. But if I give you the gift of tongues, I will take your gift of teaching. Because the Apostle Paul tells us that if we speak in an unknown tongue, we edify ourselves. But when we speak in a language that the people can understand, we edify the body of Christ. So you tell me what kind of witness you want. Too many of us, we want to witness to ourselves, but not to the body of Christ. And I never asked Jesus again for that gift. Now he may give it one day, but even if he does not, the gift to take the scriptures, to rightly divide the word of truth, to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God, that God would use my mind and allow me to be able to explain it in a way that sometimes even a child can understand is a gift I never want to ever lose. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, however you think of me, whatever you think about how I preach, whatever you think about it, do understand that I am not my own. For I too question and wonder, how is it that I see this? I'm telling you, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I have what I've been given for the work and for my witness to his kingdom. How is your witness? Because what you can do, I cannot. But what you can do, the body needs. Are you hearing me? Yes, That's the power. Because if we are all on one accord in the unity of the spirit, we can take a dirty white church on the corner and turn it into a beautiful sanctuary. But let me move on. Brothers and sisters, you demonstrate this power of the Holy Spirit not because you can speak in an unknown tongue, though that might be. You demonstrate the power of this Holy Spirit when, you're un when you are able to forgive those who have done unthinkable things in abusing you. You wonder how can, you remember when, you remember, and I love to men talk about this. I'm going to digress. After the killing of the Emmanuel Nine in that church, the AME church was, we, as all our nation, the nation was devastated that this young man would go in and kill these people in the midst of Bible study. I happened to be watching CNN's coverage. Anderson Cooper was interviewing one of the family members that suffered. And if you all know the story, you all remember, um, you know, she forgave the killer. And everybody was like, huh? And if you could ever go back and find that clip on YouTube, Anderson Cooper said, how can you forgive? And she was explaining to him about God and how all of And he said, yeah, but I don't understand how you can forgive. And she kept trying to explain to him, and he kept coming back. It was, it was amazing for me to watch this thing, because Anderson Cooper couldn't get it. He's like, he kept asking, but, but I, under, I hear all of your Jesus stuff. But, but, but I, I, I couldn't do that. My brothers and my sisters, what a witness to forgiving the unforgivable. 
You demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you're able to restrain yourself from saying something unkind to someone even though every single bone in your body wants to tell them where to go. You demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit when you utter blessings to someone irrespective of whether or not they are your enemies. Jesus tells us to love your enemies. And even if your enemy comes and they want one, give them two. Give them, go two miles. He's saying, listen, when you do these things, your witness will be so great that people will wonder, how is it? You see, this is the reason why I love my culture as an African American. I love it. Because there's no other people on the face of this earth, and you can call me anything you want. There's no other people on the face of this earth that have suffered the way we have, but yet still can love our masters and pray for them. You show me. I'll get into some other stuff if y'all want, but not today. You represent the power of the Holy Spirit when you're not easily offended when you can settle matters quickly with your adversary that is still taking you to court, when you can love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, when you no longer hold on to grudges and jealousy, which I have a challenge with, but that's when the Holy Spirit is not on me that I'm going to hold a grudge against you. But when it comes upon me, I'm a witness. You demonstrate that you have this power when you have love. For the unlovable. This is your witness. And I can tell you that there's not one of us in this room that has a heart that naturally wants and is able to do these things by yourself. I don't care how fancy Reverend Scheider's robe is. Doesn't matter. So let me hurry on. So the same Jesus hung on a cross. Let's do some blood work. The same Jesus who healed all these people, loved all these people, when they spat in his face, slapped him, they did all this stuff. This same Jesus. I like to imagine that sometimes the people who were spitting in his face, in Jesus' mind was, you didn't spit in my face when I healed your mother. The same people. So Jesus hangs on this cross. He looks over all of these people. And they're screaming and hurling all kinds of things at him. And out of his mouth, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Brothers and sisters, I forgive you. Can you forgive me when I've transgressed? How about I forgive you, and I'm speaking, well, for somebody. I forgive you for abandoning me as a child. I forgive you for abusing and violating me physically and sexually. I forgive you for not believing me when I was telling you the truth about my pain. I forgive you for lying to me. I forgive you for not being there at my first basketball game. I forgive you for not coming to see me or calling me when I was sick. I forgive you for not caring like you were supposed to. I forgive you for cheating on me. I forgive you for embarrassing me in front of my friends. I forgive you for telling me that I'm a good for nothing. I forgive you for telling me you wanted a boy instead. 
I forgive you for telling me you wanted a girl instead. I forgive you for not loving me. I forgive you for not listening to me. I forgive you for betraying me. But not only do I forgive you, I forgive myself. This is what we say in the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our trespasses mm -hmm. as we forgive those who trespass against us. Brothers and sisters, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer today is that it arrests you because here is the final way I'm going to say this. Unless you have the kingdom, unless the power allows you to be a witness, you can't see the glory. You have been strengthened, all of you, all of us, through our trials and through our tribulations. And for every obstacle that you have overcome in your life, someone saw you and someone saw Christ. That is the power of your witness. And my brothers and my sisters, you've got the power. How are you going to use it? What are you going to do with it? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And Jesus made the way. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.